0: So we're wrapping up our series on deep faith. I hope you've enjoyed the series. The whole hope of this is I know there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of trepidation that's going around our people and just our country as a whole with COVID-19. I've been fielding a lot of phone calls and I I did a, a, a one week sermon on March 15th where I talked about that faith is the opposite of fear. That faith is the opposite of fear. So to have no fear, we got to build big faith. And I gave you that, but I didn't give you some tools to say, how do you deepen your faith? How do you grow big faith? And so that's the heart of this whole series. The last three weeks, we've talked about how to deepen your faith. When Jesus was on the earth, in Matthew 8 and Mark 6, there's two instances where he sees a human being, someone he created, and he marveled at them. He was amazed, Scripture says. And in one person, he said, I'm amazed because this guy has such great faith. And in Mark 6, he says, I'm amazed because these people have no faith. And so I asked you this question when we started this series is if Jesus were to peer across Snyder, Texas, and he would look in your home, would he be amazed by you? And would he, would he be amazed at your great faith or your lack thereof? And I want to build some great faith. I want to be a church of great faith. I want to be a church that just believes God is who he says he is, that we believe that he's real and that he's personal and that he's walking with us, that he never leaves us nor forsakes us, that all of his promises are true. If you have that kind of confidence in God, like there's nothing in this world that can affect you. Like there's no good thing that blows you off course. There's no bad thing that blows you off course. There's nothing that would affect me if I have that kind of uncanny, out-of-the-box, over-the-top kind of confidence in God. And I want you to have that, church. I want you to have this, this faith, this deep rooted faith where you, nothing, nothing affects you. Bubba, you're gonna lose your job? It's oh, God's in control. Have you seen the oil prices? It's okay. I know a guy who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You, you just, you just have this incredible faith. I want to build that in you, church. So here are five ways. Again, these aren't a list in the Bible. It's a list that I just personally witnessed as I've. Visited with people who've come into faith journey say, tell me a little bit about your story. And as they share their coming into relationship with Jesus, these five things kept popping up in their stories. Or something that they would fit under one of these five umbrellas. So again, it's not a list that you do. It's, it's just a list that it's good to be aware of so that we can position ourselves under the faucet by which our faith is most likely to grow. So here are the five. The first is dedicated church attendance. We talked about this a little bit at length last week, but I really want you to be not just attending church, but dedicated to church attendance. You're part of the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of that body, but if you cut off a body part, that body part's not gonna grow. It is gonna grow when it's attached to the body, and we need you, because every body part has a different function. So we need you, you need us, and again, I say this, even if you don't come to our church, I love you so much. Go to a different church, just get in a church. And get dedicated. Start going. Make the exception that you don't go, not the rule. Right. The second one is E, earth through relationships. We want you to get into good, godly relationships. You walk with the wise, you will become wise. But if you're a companion of fools, you'll suffer harm. That's not just a proverb, that's a promise. If I walk with wise people, if I walk with people who are of high character, who love Jesus, it's probably going to propel me to be a better follower of Jesus myself. And a lot of people in their faith journey, tell me about your Your walk with Christ, well, I met this girl. Then we met this couple. There's usually a a relationship that began to deepen somebody else's faith. The P is personal ministry. That's why you hear us champion the dream team. Get on the dream team. We want you to serve on the dream team because we realize that the ministry, you're not only helping other people, you're actually helping yourself. You're developing a faith inside of you, and it grows and deepens your own faith. This is the reason I'm actually a pastor today. It's because I got involved in a personal ministry as a layperson in a church. I fell in love with seeing people's lives changed. It grew my faith to a point where I could actually be on this stage and be a pastor of Colonial Hill. That, that's, that's a big one. And the last two we're going to talk about today, uh, excuse me, I went backwards, is uh, timely events. Timely events, and the last one is home disciplines. We're going to touch on both of those today. Let me go to the first one here, timely events. Timely events. Timely events. Now these could be positive events, they could be negative events. They could be positive in the sense that we have positive events like I got married, or we had a baby, or I got a promotion, or there's all these positive things that could happen in your life. I went to a summer camp, I went to a mission trip, walked to Emmaus, all positive events that certainly could grow your faith. And then you have negative things that happen. Well, I I, I lost a loved one. I got a divorce. We lost a child. All those things are real things. And a lot of you have experienced them. Diagnosed with a disease. I, I don't know what it is, but the positive events, the negative events, all of those things have, a, have an opportunity, have a chance to grow your faith, to deepen your faith, dependent upon how you respond to those. Now, I will say this. These are, this is the one of the five I'm not asking for. This is, there's not an open invitation to like, come on. Make something bad happen to me, I want to grow my faith. I want to position myself under the faucet of summer camps and mission trips and those kinds of things because I know they do develop my faith. But a lot of negative events actually can grow our faith as well. I want to show you a, a, a verse out of James chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, so that's what we're talking about here, so if you read James, James, the, the, this incredible book, it's, it's all about faith. The whole book's about faith. He goes, this is about testing of your faith, and that faith testing produces perseverance. So right here, James is, is trying to make this connection in Scripture and the Holy Word of God. He's going, testing of your faith, the testing of your faith. Is there's a connection between trials and tribulations. Like faith and trials, there's a connection there. That's a connection I don't, I'm not asking for, but he goes, it's there, it's present. He said, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. And maturity is, is just a synonym for deep faith. That's what he wants you to have, to be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And if we'll allow Jesus. He'll take some of these trials, some of these tribulations, a lot of you know my story. The worst thing that ever happened to me is bringing about the very best days in my life today. He'll he'll use those things. Right? Cuz Romans 8:28 in all things, not just good things or some things or all things or bad things, but in all things, even this thing God is working. God is working for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And he goes, "I, I can take everything, even that awful thing. I can take that thing if you'll allow me. That the devil used to steal, kill, and destroy. I can sabotage his plans and turn it about for your good and for my glory. That's the God that we serve. So he goes, I want to take those things and leverage them not only for your good, but to make your faith strong. I want to test your faith and make you mature in it. A lot of times we handle those things in lots of different ways. I've seen people that have come to faith and then something earth-shaking, faith-quaking happens and, and it blows them off course. They say, well, I, I can't believe in a God like that. And I've seen the same thing happen to the same group of people and it pushes them and propels them closer to God. And so when those things happen, we have to be cognizant that God might be using some of that stuff to grow and to deepen our Faith. Let me show you another text out of John chapter 11 that might relate with some of you. Now a man named Lazarus. A lot of you know Lazarus' story. He was sick. He was from Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother is Lazarus, now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Which seems like a pretty simple response. Hey, Lord, I know you're healing a lot of people some of which you've never met before, but this is the one you love. I love they didn't say, Lord, Lazarus is sick. They said, Lord, the one you love is sick. They knew he would know. Coming from Mary and Martha, this is the one you love. Come on, help. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So Jesus, in this statement, creates a category that there is sickness that sometimes leads to God's glory. That sickness can lead to glorification of the Father. I don't know about you, but I'd much rather get glory after I score the winning touchdown. Read you, you caught the game-winning pass. Tell me how you feel. I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I give him all the glory. That's the glory I like. I don't like this glory. But he goes, there's a category of glory That's in sickness. (laughs) Keep going. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And for those of you that know this story, you know that Lazarus ended up dying. Now Jesus heals him four days in the grave and he comes out and he walks among men and it's a crazy cool story. But Mary and Martha didn't know that. And in the days that would come, They were wondering, why did you let Lazarus die? And there have been many of you that have questioned God. You've called and petitioned him to intervene in a mighty way, and and maybe he didn't respond. You can relate. I assure you, you can relate. And I just want to remind you, and I think that's why verse 5 is so critical. He wants to remind Mary and Martha, I love you. Don't ever question that. I love you. Listen, you're going to go through things in your life that you don't understand. That we'll we'll never understand on this side of eternity. But he goes, I don't ever want you to question my love. You can question me. You can question my my why. But you can't question my love. Because there are outstretched arms and nails through hands and feet that prove that love to you for eternity. I love you. Let's keep going. Verse 6. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he did exactly the opposite of what we think he should do. He stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. (laughs) Some of you, like I said, have felt that in your life. You called on God, and he was two days too late. And that's what Jesus did too. He goes, I'm going to stay right where I'm at. And two days later, he goes, let's go to Judea. Now Judea was not a happy place for the disciples and for Jesus (laughs) A lot of bad things happened there, and and to get to Bethany, where Lazarus' home was, he had to go through Judea. So He goes, let's go through Judea, and they said, Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? In other words, hey, do you remember Judea? Because if we go through Judea, they're going to stone you, and because we're following you, they're probably going to stone us. Hey, I got an idea, Jesus. Remember in Matthew 8 when that centurion came and he asked you to heal his servant and you weren't even there? He said, just heal him from afar, eight blocks away. Uh, Do one of those things. That's good. Let's do one of those. (laughs) I don't want to go through Judea. And Jesus goes, no, let's go. Let's go. I'm going to skip down a few verses. But it says, Jesus went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I'm going there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord... If he sleeps, he will get better. So they were kind of misunderstanding. The next verse clarifies that. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So they're going, well, if he's sleeping, that's good, right? You go to sleep, helps you rest. Your rest heals your body. You heal your body, he's better. So let's don't bother him if he's sleeping. He goes, no, no, he's he's dead. He told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. He goes, I'm actually glad I wasn't there. And then he says this word, so that, it's a, it's a henna clause, the Greek word henna, and it literally means that, so that, it's, it's one word in the Greek, two words in the English, but it literally translates as, I'm going to give you the purpose, I'm going to give you the reason that I'm glad that I wasn't there. Yeah, he called on us and we could have been there, but I'm glad I wasn't there, so that, here's the reason, here's the purpose, you may Believe. And that goes back to faith. It all goes back to belief. It all goes back to trust. It goes, I want you to have a deep belief in me. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jesus. You mean to tell me that you're glad that we weren't there so that we might believe? Yeah. (laughs) You mean to tell me in your economy, Jesus, that believing in you is more important than healing your friend? Uh Uh-huh. Are you telling me that instead of healing him, you would rather us, who are not sick, find deep faith in you? Yeah. That's how important this is, church. You can't dismiss me. I'm trying to to teach you the word of God. I want you to have some deep, deep, deep faith. Because you have deep faith. That's what he's requiring. That's what he's asking for. He goes, I just want you to trust me. I just want you to believe I am who I say I am. I want you to believe my promises to be true. I want you to have this uncanny, unwavering assurance that I'm with you and that I'm for you. That's what I want more than anything. I'd let a guy die to get you to get to believe that. I want you to believe that, church, more than anything in the world. And for so many of us, we have bad things happen to us. And I'm going to go back to the E, so D-E-P-T-H, the E is earthly relationships. Sometimes it depends not what happens, but who is around you when what happens. You need people who can reframe that circumstance, that timely event, and say, listen, it's going to be okay. I know you got that diagnosis, but God is in control and He can heal you. He might not heal you on earth, He might heal you in heaven, but God's going to get a whole bunch of glory through this. You need to have somebody that can reframe things for you where you're starting to just think low and get discouraged and have great fear. He goes, hey, I want you to have great faith. And that can help you understand that you need good earthly relationships. These all tie hand in hand. Now, here's the last one that will help you grow your faith. It's home disciplines. Home disciplines. We don't like that word discipline. Uh, (laughs) Discipline. But there's disciplines that we probably should do. We should probably get up early. We should probably go to bed early. We should probably eat healthy. We should eat less. We should exercise. Uh, we should uh, <laughs> uh, save money. Yeah, put money away. Call your mama. There's a bunch of really good disciplines, right, that we're supposed to be doing. Uh, you meet people that are more disciplined than you, and they're kind of inspiring on one hand. You're like, man, you're just so disciplined. And they're kind of frustrating at the same time. You're like, I just want to punch you in the throat. That's, I mean, they're like there's... <laughs> uh, that's me. Maybe that's just my own sin. I'm like, I wish I was like you, and then punch them. Right? I like, I, but you do. You meet people disciplined. Disciplines are, are hard. But here's a couple of things I've learned about disciplines. Disciplines that even if you have a bad attitude, you'll grow if you keep doing it every single time. You do the discipline, you will grow. I'm a, I might have the worst attitude of going to the gym, but I promise if I went to the gym every single day, if I went to the gym every single day, I'd start to see some growth. I'd start to see some muscle. I'd start to see some, some this, this, this is a bad boy gone. I'd start to see some of that stuff, right? right? You can have bad attitude, but disciplines always lead to progress. Here's the other thing I learned about disciplines. Is the longer you do a discipline, a lot of times it becomes less discipline and more of a habit. Something you actually enjoy. Hey, let me ask you for those of you that run or that cycle or that CrossFit or do any of that, I want you to raise your hand right here. I know it, you're in your living room. That's fine. Raise your hand. Come on, you have the energy. Raise them up high. I see you. Okay. Uh, you like it, right? Like, I've had people tell me that, Reed. If you just go to the gym, man, you, you, you'd love it. Well, I've never gotten there. I've, I've never gotten to that point. Like, I get right up there, and then I go, this is miserable, and I'm not having fun. Uh, but so many of you love it, and I love that for you. It's become, it was a discipline you probably hated day one. But day 21, you're like, I'm, I'm kind of digging this because you're seeing the progress, you're seeing the growth, you're seeing the results. And that's the beauty of the disciplines that God wants to, to grow in you. Disciplines lead to freedom. You show me a discipline, you show me one who's disciplined with their finances and they're going to stow money away. We don't make a lot of money, we're going to put a little bit of money every, every, every month away. And then when something like coronavirus hits, there's freedom there. Like, we don't have any debt, we're fine, we're going to be okay. So it leads to growth, it leads to habits, it leads to potential fun, it leads to freedom. There's a lot of benefits to that. Whenever you hear somebody in their faith story, they're talking about, I came to faith. Usually it's followed up with, I started, I started reading my Bible. I started memorizing its contents. I started having a quiet time in the mornings. I started praying more often. I, I started to fast. And These are all home disciplines that I would encourage you to start doing. And those things, when you, when you read about when Jesus is encouraging us to do those things, they have less to do with other people and more to do with what he wants to do in you and through you and for you, these home disciplines. This is the most beautiful one, in my opinion, because it's the one that we can control. I can't control an earthly relationship and how many relationships I get into. I can't control timely events necessarily. I can control how often I flex this muscle. And the way I understand muscles, I had to ask Pastor Josh, because he's the CrossFit guy in the, in the church, um, and on the church staff but you know when you when you're working out right you actually tear your muscles you break down your muscles so that when they come back they, they build up they build up stronger and thicker and that's where you start to see this is the muscle that you can begin to flex you can do it as often as you want and you'll see your feith, faith deepen and grow you're gonna flex that faith muscle All right, let me show you a text here out of Matthew chapter six Be careful not to practice your righteousness. And Jesus, when he says the word righteousness, he's talking about home disciplines. And you're going to see that that's what he's talking about as we continue. It's pretty obvious. Be careful not to practice your righteousness or your home disciplines in front of other people to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So he goes, don't do them in front of other people. That's why they're called home disciplines. Do them at home. (laughs) Nobody's watching. right? We we, we don't see it. We're not passing around a plate and you drop that big... Money down the, right? We don't know what you're doing. You're doing it online. We don't see you in the morning at 5 a.m. in front of the front of God's Word. Home disciplines. So when you give to the needy, and he's talking about actually giving alms. So the, the Jewish person in the first century would automatically give 10 to 20% to God through his church, through the temple. But they would give above and beyond that. They would give alms to the needy. He goes, when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's pretty interesting. Keep in mind, we're talking about faith here. We're not talking about money. Jesus is talking about faith. And he goes, what if you really believe that? Because again, if this is an issue of faith and not an issue of money, he goes, do you really believe that number one, I am who I say I am? And number two, that my promises are true. Do you believe that? Because I think one of the reasons that, and we're incredibly generous as a church, I love that about you. But one of the reasons we're not more generous is because we don't fully believe this. Because if we believe God is real, and we believe his promises to be true, well, then he would say, well, when you give in secret, I'm going to reward you. We believe Luke 6.38 when he says, "Give, And it will be given back to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap with a measure that you use when you give. That's the measure I use upon you. It's really a question of faith. Do you believe that God is who he says he is? And do you believe his promises to be true? Because if we believe both of those things, we had great confidence and uncanny assurance that that is what he was and that's who he was, we would give more. I completely believe that. So he's talking about, and again, all throughout the New Testament, anytime that money is mentioned, it's rarely about money. It's usually about belief or faith in God. When you take your last breath on this earth, You're going to be 100% dependent upon God in that moment. Whatever you believed about him, he's 100% in control. When you draw your last breath, whatever's on the other side of eternity, you're 100% faith in that moment because you have no other options. But from your last breath back, most of us put our faith, our confidence in the almighty dollar bill. It's not in God we trust, which is what it says on the back. It's in this green piece of paper with a dead president on it. That's what we trust. And that's why there's a great amount of fear that's circulating our city and country. Is because there's a lot of uncertainty. Stock markets down. Oil prices down. People losing their jobs. Get the economy started again. And again, I'm all for those things. Don't hear me wrong, church. I'm all for those things. However, I don't put my confidence in those things. I don't put my trust in those things. I put my confidence and my trust in him. And wouldn't it make sense to you? Wouldn't it make sense to you? It does to me, at least. Wouldn't it make sense that if God, whose main issue from the foundations of the earth, when Adam and Eve broke everything, not because of disobedience, but because of trust, when they said, we don't trust you, and he's been trying to reestablish the trust, he knows his greatest competition for your trust is your dollars, So wouldn't it make sense that he goes, hey, I want you to give those to me. Don't depend on those. Depend on me. I want complete dependence on me. I want you to have big, deep faith. I want you to have a home discipline of giving that away. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That's how he would say it in Matthew 6, 21. He'd go on a little bit later in Matthew 6 and says you can't serve both God and money. He he wants you to serve him and him alone. Makes sense. By the way, he doesn't care about money. He cares about you, okay? But he knows that for a lot of us, our greatest competition for full trust and confidence in him is full trust and confidence in the money that we provide for our families. And I I say make a lot of it. I love it. I love for everybody in our church and, and watching this broadcast to be filthy, loaded, rich. But Don't put your confidence in that. Don't put your hope in that. Don't put your trust in that. God doesn't need your money. He needs your faith. He needs your faith. Let's keep going. This is the other big uh, (laughs) uh, valuable commodity that he's asking for, our time. When you pray, he goes on to say, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. And when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret. There it is again. He'll reward you. So he goes, "I, I, I want you to give me that other valuable commodity, which is your time. I would love for you to take a slot out of your busy day because if something happened in your life and you had a massive emergency, I promise you'd call upon the name of the Lord. But what if you just took a slot out of your busy day when you didn't really need anything and you just said, God, I I just wanted to let you know I'm thinking about you. I don't need anything. I just want to thank you for everything you've given me. I'm a blessed man indeed. And I pray that today I could be salt of the earth and light of the world and that you would use me to make your name known. Just praying something like that. For me something I do and it just helps with my home disciplines. I've shared this before but I think it's very helpful. When I first started this exercise is I, I, would do, I would do five minutes in the Word of God. Okay, I would do five minutes in prayer and I would set an alarm on my phone and on iPhones and most phones you can actually uh, set an alarm so that the alarm itself is not an annoying chiming but it's, it's a song and I would put a worship song As the alarm at the 10-minute mark. And usually worship songs are three, four, five, six minutes long. So I'd read the Bible for five minutes. I would pray for five minutes. And at the 10-minute mark, that worship song would come on, and I would worship for five minutes. Five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. I'm telling you, it's 15 minutes that will completely bless the rest of your day. And maybe that's a a simple way of starting some of these home disciplines in your life. He goes on to talk about fasting, which I'm not even going to touch on today. You can go read about that yourself in Matthew six and goes on to seven. Here's my challenge for you, church. I would love for you to take the next 30 days, all right, we're at the first of May, go to the first of June, take the next 30 days and really pray about giving God your first few dollars and your first few minutes of every day. Just say, God, I want to bless you with, with my time. Five minutes in the Word, five minutes in worship, five minutes in... In prayer, I want to give that to you. And you say, well, Pastor Reed, what's the reward? I don't know. If you ask people what what is the reward, it is not that he answers every single prayer request that you pray. I know that that's not the, he answers a lot. A lot. So it's way past the point of coincidence for me. But I think part of that reward is this uncanny assurance that he's with you and that he's for you every step of the way. That he can be trusted. That I can put my deep faith in him. And it may not be easy, especially if you've never given before, if you've never prayed before, for you to start doing some of those things, these home disciplines that may be uncomfortable for you. You're going to feel a tension. It's the same tension you feel when you lift heavy weights. You're going to grow that muscle. Years ago, I had a a friend that I was trying to Disciple and love on and Shepherd of Christ and he his thing like his thing was working out And I loved him so much and I wanted him to know Jesus at such a deep level that I said I'll 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 go work out with you. It's the last time I worked out by the way (laughs) If you couldn't if you couldn't tell from this physique, so We went and worked out and his thing was not uh, heavy weights. It was it was lots of repetition and so he didn't put a lot of weight on it, and he's a big dude. And I mean, I'm a big guy, but I'm not I'm not as muscly as he is. Is that even a word, muscly? So so he starts, and he does like 10 reps, you know, on the bench press. And I'm like, I got this. So I did 10 reps, no problem. And then we switch to something else. We switch to something else. Go back to the bench press, do 10 reps. I did 10 reps. We do it again. By the third time, y'all, I'm telling you, my arms were like spaghetti noodles. I, I like I, I couldn't even lift the bar. I'm like like I, I felt so embarrassed and he's like no problem but I I was not my muscles were not ready for that action and so I'm like pushing it up I'm like <laughs> right I, it was I was awful it was I was so embarrassed I'm like i I feel so weak in this moment uh he had to lift the bar off of me so the next day I thought I was gonna die I did I was like there, I can't move I can't like everybody every body part hurts um But I was breaking down all those muscles, and I was building up stronger ones. This is what happens when you start some of these home disciplines. There might be some tension there, but I promise you're going to build something that's going to be very, very rewarding. And that's a deep faith. That's a big faith. That's what I want you to have. Big faith equals no fear, because faith is the opposite of fear. For a lot of you today that are watching, you probably have never, ever put your faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, a lot of you have. But for those that haven't, I couldn't go a single step further without offering you that opportunity to put your faith in Jesus Christ today. It's a free gift. At Christmas time, we give gifts. Birthdays, we give gifts. But that gift never becomes mine until I take it in my hands and I open it. Otherwise, just a wrapped box under a tree. It's a free gift, but you have to take the gift. Jesus, you understand, loves you so much that he came to earth and he died for your sins. Listen, I sin too every day, still do. we still messed up I'm broken. So it doesn't matter who I'm talking to. I know you're messed up and you're sinful. We all are. All of us fall short of the glory of God. In fact, the man who wrote that verse used to kill and persecute Christians, and then he became an amazing Christian. So if God can use the Apostle Paul, God can use you. So I want to give you a chance to put your faith in Jesus Christ today. Scripture says God so loved the world, He so loved you that He gave His one and only Son to die for your sins, that whoever believes in Him, whoever puts faith in Him, whoever trusts deeply in Him will not die. You'll physically die, sure, but you'll eternally live forever in heaven. And not only that, you don't only get eternal life, you get abundant life on earth. That's part of the promise too. I have, a, I have a blast. I love my life. I think a lot of people think Christianity is rules and restrictions and regulations. No, my life is a lot of fun because it's not about rules. It's about relationship. And I'm in a relationship with the creator of the planet. And I want to offer that to you today. It's not my gift to give. It's a gift that's been given to me, but I know how to give it. So I want to gift wrap it and give it right back to you. It's from Jesus and Jesus alone. If you'd like to accept that gift, I need you to pray this prayer with me. Nothing sacred about these words, just to mean these words is the only real thing. Let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, as we sang at the front end of this service, tis so sweet to trust in you. And today I do, I trust you fully with my life. I give it to you. I ask you to come into that life and to forgive me of all of my sins, past, present, and future. Thank you for dying for those, for being buried, and for rising from the grave. Thank you for giving me the power to do the same because of my decision today, to trust you. To trust you. To trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to share with you one quick verse out of Ephesians 2. It's actually 2, verses 8 and 9. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. Listen to me. It's not of yourselves, so no one can boast. It's not by works. It's, there's nothing you can do to get heaven, to get this abundant life on earth. It's, not, it's all by his grace and putting your faith, your trust, your hope, your confidence in that. That's what I want you to have. I want you to have big, deep faith. Faith. Right. Hey, if you made that decision today, I want you to do me one more favor. I want you to text a number. And the reason I want you to do this is because I want to send you something free in the mail. I'm not going to bother you. It's not something weird. I want to send you some resources that's going to help you take your next step in this new journey with God. I want you to text one word, SAVED, to 325-221-3001. I'm going to leave that on the screen for just a moment. So you can get out your cell phones, you can text just one word. It'll send you a text back asking for a few questions like your name, your physical address, so we can mail you something, your email address, that's it. Uh, We're not going to bother you, we have a hassle-free guarantee. The only reason we want this is to be able to send you some things that will help you in this newfound journey with Jesus. You began your faith, and as this whole series has hopefully Uh, scream from this stage, we want to deepen your faith. 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 So let us know if you made that decision. All right. That's it. I love you, church. Deep faith is done. We got a brand new uh, topic next week. We're going to be celebrating moms. I hope you'll tune in. I know it's atypical. We like this a big day. Man, we missed two of the big three days in church life, Mother's Day, Easter, and Christmas, and we missed two of the three not meeting live. So I hope you'll grab your mama, and you put her on the couch next to you, and we celebrate in a big way, and uh, we're going to honor all the moms. And again, be, be sure you text mom to that same number so you get your gift. If you haven't already done that from last week, we've got a gift for you. We wish we could give it to you in person, but we'll give it to you. Uh, <laughs> we'll mail it to you. We'll get it to you some way. But uh, be sure you text mom so we can get that to you. I love you very much. You know that? I love you. I love you. I cannot wait to see you. I promise it's happening soon. We'll see you real soon. God bless.